0: It's the weekend, so relax and listen to some stories the whole family can enjoy. That's right, it's the Saturday Story Circle here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Chapter 34. August Fenwick stepped from his taxicab onto the threshold of the exclusive club Macaw, his brows knit with care. The normal midday bustle around the entrance to the gentlemen's club was noticeably absent. Indeed, past the gate that separated the grounds of the club from the city streets, there seemed to be an almost eerie calm. Fenwick turned absent-mindedly to pay the driver and was, for a moment, astonished to find the man already pulling away. "'his eyes fixed straight ahead. "'The wealthy young man did not even have a chance to shut the door of the car "'as it sped around the circle and back out the driveway, "'the driver never slowing down or looking back. "'He stepped forward and paused a moment upon sight of the doorman. "'The Red Panther felt certain the man's name was Ryan, "'though he could not recall ever using it himself. He did, however, recall several tirades his usual driver had launched on the subject, and Fenwick found this man nothing like Kit's picture of him. Ryan stood stock still, as if he were painted upon the wall beside the door. He did not move to open the door or bat an eye as Fenwick approached, but stared into open space as if wrapped upon some unseen wonder. The Red Panda considered Ryan for a moment, and then opened the door himself, keeping the man in the corner of his eye as he passed. He felt it unlikely that his enemy would loose a sneak attack upon him this late in the game, but he felt it would be an exceedingly stupid way to die. His footsteps were light and practiced, but still they seemed to ring through the great foyer now absent of any life. He passed the front desk, which was normally manned every hour that the club was open, but today stood deserted. Fenwick had come in search of information and now knew that there was much more waiting for him here. He moved silently upon the stairs, his caution a long-held reflex which he knew could not protect him from this enemy, but which he found quite impossible to shake. He moved down the great hallway with its thick carpets and paused a moment. There was music upon the air, music the likes of which the very Anglo-Saxon Club Macaw had almost certainly never heard. A few steps forward and Fenwick was certain of the source of the music and stepped quietly into the club's conservative reading-room. If he was surprised by what he saw, he did not show it, though no one who had known the Club Macaw could have expected such a sight. The room was draped in fabric of a golden hue, and the air was thick with the intense yet languid energy that one might find in an opium den. Draped around the room were the pillars of Toronto's high society, the richest and most powerful men in the city. Some stood like sentries. The rest were spread out on the floor, venerated before the figure of a man in a high-backed chair. The chair itself had been draped with the golden fabric. Indeed, the reams of gold that spread across the room all seemed to stem from that seat, making it appear at once to be a throne of power and the center of a spider's web. The chair's inhabitant was fanned on either side by female staff members of the club, each in a state of semi-dress that would never have been allowed. They stared straight ahead, unseeing as Ryan had at the door. In the corner of the room, dignified old James Armwald was crouched, stooped low and playing a haunting lament upon a sort of squat violin or lute from the highlands of Nepal. Fenwick considered this sight for a moment and turned back to face the man in the throne, who sat with an easy smile upon his sharp, hawk-like face. "'Do you know this tune?' the man asked. "'It seems familiar,' Fenwick replied. "'It is a funeral lament,' the man's eyes gleamed with a predatory light. "'For you.' "'I wasn't aware that Armwald could play the sarangi," Fenwick said casually. "'I am almost certain that he cannot,' Ajeshar said, the Cheshire cat-smile still upon his lips. "'And if he could before, he cannot now. His mind is gone.' Fenric looked back and saw that it was true. Armwald's eyes were cold and empty. There was no spark of life left in him at all. He was merely a puppet. As if to illustrate the point, Shaw released his grip upon the old man's mind and allowed him to fall, sprawling upon the ground, crushing the bow of the stringed instrument beneath him. The red panda turned back to face his enemy, an ember of fire beginning to glow in his own eyes. ''Does that make you angry?'' Shah said, sitting forward on the edge of his makeshift throne. ''What are you doing here, Shah?'' Fenwick said coldly. The smile on the enigmatic face grew larger and colder at the same time. ''If you have heard that name, you must already know.'' ''Why here, why now?'' Fenwick snapped. Shah nodded. ''You know that too. Because even if I were not looking forward to your destruction... I was going to have to deal with you sooner or later. It could have been later, the Red Panda said, his eyes narrowing and the last traces of August Fenwick disappearing from his voice. Yes, Shaw agreed. But I found I simply could not wait. The Red Panda stood and said nothing. Shaw looked at him hard. It is a wonder, he said admiringly. I assumed that when I saw you I would know you, and yet even still your face makes no impression upon my memory. The red panda raised an eyebrow. "'Are you sure it's me?' he said with a small smirk in spite of himself. "'Oh, you have your many masks, rich boy,' Shah said with a hiss. "'But I would have known you at a hundred paces. "'You are the only man I cannot read at all. "'All the world is laid bare before me. "'The rich colors of their thoughts are mine for the taking. "'But there you stand, a mere fact.' An apparition of black and white like a figure in a picture show. The Red Panda said nothing. "'I am surprised to find you travelling alone,' Shaw said casually. "'That is not your reputation.' "'She was injured in the blast at Kane's house,' the Red Panda said calmly. Shaw nodded. "'Plausible. But we both know that it isn't true. "'You are keeping her from my mind,' he smiled, baring his teeth as he did so. "'How wise!' Leave her out of this, the red panda said sternly. This is between you and me. Shah's teeth gleamed in the morning light. This is between myself and all the world, little man. You are nothing but an insect that I shall crush for my own pleasure. The red panda's eyes narrowed and he shook his head slowly. You would like me to believe that, he said quietly. It was Ajay Shah's turn to say nothing. I know why you are doing this, the red panda said, his voice hanging with quiet menace, like thunder rolling in off the lake. Shaw's eyes widened, and he thrust his face forward. Because I can, he spit, losing his composure for the first time. Just as you say, came the reply, his gaze cold and knowing. As I recall, you had promised to make two stops on your path to glory. I was merely the second. Shaw seemed perplexed for a moment. Roshan, the red panda reminded him. Shaw nodded, his hawk-like gaze drifting into the middle distance a moment. I made that journey long ago. He was gone. You had deserted him just as I said you would. Just as he knew I would, the Red Panda said coldly. I left a lot of people back then. Shaw smiled. Perhaps we each have our ghosts. Perhaps we are not so very different. Perhaps. Perhaps that is why I must destroy you. Perhaps. The room was silent for a moment. The Red Panda regarded the men who surrounded him, the men of wealth and influence who were now the slaves of his enemy. "'What about them?' he said. "'I assume this tableau was for my benefit.' "'You are so very cynical,' Shah hissed. "'Is it not possible that I am simply enjoying myself? "'There is to be a great party in my honour at the home of Terence Westing this very night.' These, these vassals will sign the last of their wealth over to me. Thus armed with riches beyond mere avarice, my march to power will become stronger. With each city I will move less like a thief in the night and more like an emperor. Soon no power will be able to resist me. Soon all will bow before the throne of the Aje Shah. The Red Panda nodded. Then it is I who must destroy you. Now. Shaw grinned broadly. Oh, dear foolish boy, I did so hope that you would see things that way. He waved his hand dismissively. Come to Westing's party, if you dare. Simply everyone will be there. No, the Red Panda said coldly, here and now. Shaw shook his head. We dance according to my tune, he said, or your men will die. What? What? the Red Panther said, stopping short. "'Andy Parker, Jack Peters, Mac Tully,' Shah said, rising from his chair. "'You can be proud. They would not speak a word. But their minds were an open book to me. What have you done with them?' "'Not very much,' Shah said. "'Yet. But if you fail to appear at the party, dear fool, they will die at the stroke of midnight.' And with that he turned and melted into the shadows.